Get your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 1. And we will begin again with Ephesians. I was going to go to Ephesians chapter 3 tonight, but I don't think I'm going to get there. I got home and in the last few days I've been studying this out and I thought I'm not done. We've been talking about prayer and we, and so I got on this praying, praying, praying for Christians or for the church. And we begin last week. If you didn't get last week's, you really need to get it and go on SoundCloud, go on cloud and iCloud or whatever it's called and download it, but get the CD um, because we can't go over all of that again. But I want to go over one thing in a, real quick. When Paul has two prayers in the book of Ephesians, he has one in Colossians, and we'll go over that one briefly. But he's praying for Christians. Most of the time when we pray, it's like we're slinging um, mud on the wall hoping something sticks. And that's not prayer. When you pray, you want to know that you're getting your prayers answered. And when people come and say, well, you get your prayers answered, it's almost like, you know, I mean, that's fine for Muslims to pray all the time and never get their prayer answered. But it's odd if you pray and don't get your prayers answered. And the reason why people don't get their prayer answered is they do not understand that there are kinds of prayer. And the book of Ephesians says, Paul said, praying with all kinds of prayer. So when you pray for yourself, you're praying according to the word of God on what already belongs to you that Jesus did at the cross. We call that the prayer of faith. And Jesus said, if you, you know, whatever you desire when you pray, believe it's granted and you'll have it. What you're doing is you're praying for something that Jesus has already given to you. Now, the average church member does not know that. They pray from defeat. They come and they approach God like I'm sick and I need to get healed. And they beg and beg and beg and beg and beg and hope that they'll wear him out. And after a while, he'll finally look down there and say, you know, they're driving me nuts. Answer their prayer. And that is simply completely wrong thinking. It's not true. When Jesus went to the cross, he already took your place there and provided salvation for you. You're, so, so you know this, and, and everybody knows this, and if you've been to church any length of time, you aren't asking God to save you, you're receiving what he did, aren't you? Well, now the Greek word save is sozo, S-O-Z-O. The, the Greek word healed is sozo, S-O-Z-O, and the Greek word deliverance is sozo, S-O-Z-O. So they, they're all the same. So you're not asking God to do something he's already done, you're receiving what he's already done laid up for you. That's called the prayer of faith. Now that's not what we're talking about tonight. Then there's the prayer of consecration where you're separating yourself unto God and, and you're asking him, what do you want me to do? You're not praying the prayer of faith now. You don't know what he wants you to do. You're, you're asking him to show you and you have no foundation for that other than he, that, you know, that he'll lead you and guide you and show you things to come and he cares about you. So whether, whether this is your church or another church or who you're supposed to marry or where you're supposed to work, there's no scripture in the Bible for that. So those are the kind of prayers that you're praying called prayers of consecration. And that's the kind of prayer people are praying when they want to get healed and they're wrong. It's wrong to pray, it's wrong to pray that you know, the prayer of faith, the consecration, it won't work. Then there's other kind, then there's a prayer when, when Paul is praying here in the book of Ephesians, he's asking God to show you what he did. 
He's not asking God to do anything for you. He's asking him to make real to you what happened at Calvary. Now, I'm going to say some things because we have some visitors here. I don't know what all y'all know and don't know. Much of what uh, Jesus did at the cross, and I'm throwing a number out, 98% of the Christians have zero idea what he did. He went to the cross, died, and, and, and rose from the dead and went to heaven. That's pretty much the, their doctrine. They don't have any earthly idea what he did. But the, what he did at Calvary, just the cross would take a month to preach it. And just what he did down in the region of the damned and what he did when he rose from the dead and made men righteous. And then what he did when he went before the throne and, and took his blood to the mercy seat. And then what he did when he sat down at the right hand of God. So we're going to talk a little bit about what he did when he sat down and how that, and how that relates to you. Now, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1 out of the New King James. And then I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. And... Um, then I'm going to read it out of a couple other translations because I want you to get a gist of what he is asking God to do. Are you all ready? All right. There, um, verse 15, 115. Therefore, I heard of your faith in the Lord and your love for the saints. I don't cease to give thanks for you, praying for the Ephesians, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him, him God, that the eyes of your understanding or your heart, not your head, would be enlightened or full of light, that you would know the hope of his calling, what he called you to, and what are the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saint, what he did for you in Jesus, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Far above principality, power, might, and do, not only in this age, but that which is to come, and he put all things under his feet, and he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, message Bible. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, so that your eyes are focused and clear, and you can see exactly what he has called you to do to grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for you as a Christian and the utter extravagance of his work of those who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All of this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies is exempt from his rule, not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything, and at the center, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is, is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Now, I have taken a bunch of other translations, and I glued them in my little... I have a little journal here where I write all kinds of stuff in it. Um, let, me, let, me, let me read uh, Carpenter. Calculate if you can the gigantic power behind this. Sons quickened in the life and consciousness. We say we believe, yes, but what a miracle it is. It means that there is a bridge that joins time and eternity, a road that leads from heaven to earth. And the feet of believers are set on it. Christ in countless ways is a reversal. The, 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 re, yeah, the, the, the revel, re, revealer, I don't know that word, 
of human expectations and in no way more startling than by his resurrection. If there was one thing that all men had to acknowledge, it was the fact that at the end of life comes death. Christ lived and died in death in his usual triumph, but it was a short-lived mastery. Death's pale flag was hoisted for a day, a second day, and a third, and then it was hauled down. And the Lamb of God, flying his own flag, was raised from the dead and entered into glory. It was the beginning of the, re the resumption of the original glory in which with the Father before the world was. But that glory was touched now with an added quality, the victory that had been won on the terms of human life. The risen Christ is victorious mankind. In what we call the ascension, which follows hard upon the triumph over death, the Son of God finally resume, resumes the attributes of the Godhead. He is still the Son of Man, ambassador of humanity, high priest of earth. He has taken our nature, not for one human generation, but forever, and to never to lay it off. Thus it is that in him now that man is lifted to a divine level where God is. That's the carpenter's translation. Now, I'm not going to read any more of them, but I want to show you something that I did for you. I, uh, I made a bunch of copies of, of that, other, that other one, and, and then I'm going to read this one. Now, now, this is one someone wrote out of it, and I think this is a way to pray this. This is the prayer that's kind of the way you and I need to pray for ourselves. Listen to this. Father God, here's what I want from you. I want you to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God so that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened. I want to know the call of God on my life, the inheritance that belongs to me, and the authority I have as a believer. I thank you, Father, for helping me see more clearly. My greatest need is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I thank you for opening my eyes. Now, see, that makes what he said very plain, doesn't it? And that's what Paul is asking God to do for you. And I said this last week, and it bears my repeating again. Um, there was a time in my life that I sat back and I studied what we call salvation for a year. And at the end of the year, I didn't know any more about it than when I began. And it dawned on me later that what God gives you and I is called revelation knowledge. It's not head knowledge, it's revealed knowledge. And do you remember when Jesus was talking to Peter and he says, who do men say I, the son of man, am? And, he, and said, they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah. And he said, who do you say I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood didn't tell you that. If you're sitting here today born again, flesh and blood did not reveal Jesus to you. Amen. The Holy Spirit made him real to you so you could be born again. Now, here's the point. There is a lot that belongs to you because of what Jesus did. And it is only by the Holy Ghost that you're going to tap into it and come into an understanding of what is given to you at the cross. There's a lot of people running around church. They love God. They're operating in all the knowledge they have, but they don't have revelation knowledge, and you need it. You need to know what Jesus did for you because you're going to live on the earth not knowing, and you're going to die and go to heaven, and you're going to say, I have all these questions, and he's going to look at you and say, I gave you all of that. Why don't you know it? Now, what would you do if you died and found out someone left you a million dollars and no one ever told you? You'd be upset like, are you serious? All right. That is exactly the Holy Spirit's job is to take the inheritance that was given to you in Jesus and show it to you. 
Now, let me explain something else to y'all. Why do we actually have so many different denominations? Does anybody really know? Because every, there's always a group of people who go so far in God and they stop. Now, that's, that's up to you. You can stop in your walk with God and your knowledge of God anywhere you want to. But it's not God's fault that you stopped. So what happens to people, and people get upset about this, they, they, you know, they go to a church for a while and then all of a sudden people break away. And they go, we're going over there to this new church. And they're going, well, what's wrong with ours? Well, it's third graders. It's people who only went so far in school. We want to know reading, writing, arithmetic, and it's all we want to know. We don't want to know trig. We don't want to know probability statistics. We don't want to understand anything else. That's just all we want. And you have to understand, God lets you do that. But it's, it, it is sad because those are the people who run around and say, why, God, why? And yet the answer was there for them if they wanted it. See, in the body of Christ, now I want you to think about this. Jesus prayed a prayer. Thy will be done on earth just like heaven. So I'm going to ask you this. Does your house look like heaven? Does your family look like heaven? Then you've got a lot of stuff you could be receiving. It belongs to you. Well, you think about that for about a week and you'll be like, that made me mad. It should. There are no sick people in heaven. And, and people don't like it when you look at them and say, you shouldn't be. You know, there's a prayer that in the book of James says, any sick among you. What a stupid question. Today you'd say to the 95% of you all the sick as dogs. See, in the, in the Old Testament, not a feeble person came out of, out of um, e Egypt. I mean, not even an old man in a, in, a, in a wilt a walker. Not a single feeble old person. That's an old covenant. And the Bible says we have a new covenant based on better promises. But the average Christian in America has no knowledge of what belongs to them. They have no idea what's yours. Now, that's what Paul is saying. God, show them what you did for them. And when people learn it, other people look back and say, well, who do you think you are? I mean, you just think you all that almighty? No, I just went in and found out it was a whole lot more for me than just being born again. Yes. Now, this side of heaven. And, and because of that, Paul is praying this prayer. So, so anyway... He gets down, and, he, and, and we went over last week the eyes of the understanding and the hope of the calling and the exceeding greatness of his power, and we went over Jesus dying on the cross, and what happened? He literally took the place of every lost person. Now, when I make this statement, this blows people's little minds. Their brain fries in their head. Nobody goes to hell for sinning. Not a soul on this earth will, will go to hell for sinning because Jesus already died for them. So God can't legally take, do that. Y'all see that legal? I'm talking legally. Then why do they go? They never received it. And we could get into that more, and I don't have time to do that. But when he went down in the region of the dam, went down into hell, he took your place, and him who knew sin became sin, that you might be made the righteousness of God. So that when, when God accepted the sacrifice, God declared Jesus righteous. Well, you say, well, wait a minute. He didn't need to be declared righteous. Well, he did after he took your sin, he did. So he became the first 
of a new race. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation, all things have passed away. And we are a new race, and he was the prototype. And listen, now this may mess your head up a little bit. He still glorified man. Now, he didn't walk the earth as God. Now, most people don't know that. Most people have no idea that. They thought he did everything as God. He didn't do anything on the earth as God. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, a man, with the Holy Ghost and power, went around doing good and healing all oppressed of the devil. So as a man, he had to step out of deity and take on humanity, and he had to defeat Satan as a man because it was a man that messed it up. It had to be a man that fixed it. And he couldn't represent you as God because... He had to become man. That is, the, that's every Christmas we sit around and go, well, it's Christmas time. You have no idea that, that God, the Godhead, became a human. That's incredible. It's called the incarnation. It's not even hardly preached anymore. It's in the Apostles' Creed if you went to, you know, people do the Apostles' Creed and have no idea what they just said. Even Jesus dying and going to hell is in the Apostles' Creed. And people go, I don't believe that. And it's in the Apostles' Creed. You've been saying it all your life. Okay. So, when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose as your personal representative, so God thinks that you rose from the dead. All right, but he didn't stop there. Then he went before the throne, took his blood before the throne in the mercy seat, which was the judgment seat, and he put his blood on it, and now it became the mercy seat, opening the door for you and I to enter heaven as though we never did anything wrong. God, God thinks you died and went to hell, and God thinks you rose from the dead, and God thinks you did that because you were in Christ. If any man is in Christ, and I don't have time to get into this, but the most, the two words that the whole Bible hangs on is the word in Christ. If you understand in Christ, you understand the Bible. If you don't understand in Christ, you don't, you don't know much of nothing. Okay. All right. Something to give you to study, right? All right. Now, listen to this. Now, we got, we got to move on because it says in verse um, 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Now, now listen to what that means. When he sat down, listen, 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 listen. He finished his work. Now, now, don't get mad at me. Don't throw anything at me. He will never do anything about your problem again. When you're praying, he's not leaving heaven and coming down and touching your forehead with a magic wand. Now, that just, like, people like, don't, don't suck all the air out of the room. If he finished the work, finished your salvation, finished healing, finished victory, he defeated Satan, and he sat down. Now, what I'm going to show you is that I'm going to prove to you that when he rose from the dead, he took the authority back that Adam had given Satan. Now, now here's another thing. People absolutely don't, don't know this. When Adam committed high treason, he took authority from Adam. He took Adam's authority, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 4, whom the God of this world, calling Satan the God of the world, has blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the light of the gospel should shine unto them. So Adam gave his, his dominion to the devil, and the devil ran the earth. And, when, and so God came back into the earth by cutting a covenant a blood covenant with a man named Abraham. And the reason he cut that covenant was so that everything that's God's is Abraham's, but everything that was Abraham's became God's, right? Yeah. So did now God have a right to a body? Yeah. 
yes. And that's how he entered back into the world by cutting a covenant with a man named Abraham. So then he gives us laws through Moses so we would know right from wrong, not till you could be saved. And then he entered into the world in the body of a man named Jesus. All right. Now he enters in as, as, as man, but he also was anointed by the Holy Ghost. And this is explained. Now, now you understand that when Jesus traveled around and he would go into a place, the demons would scream, we know who you are. And he would say, shut up. Now, what they were doing was accusing him of not having any authority over them because he was man, but he was not born of Adam, so he did not need, to, so he had authority over the devil, but you understand he was the only person walking the earth that had authority over the devil. Now, God wanted to change that to where you and I would be able to enter into sonship. So that's why Jesus went to the cross, took your place, rose from the dead. And when he sat down, everything he did on the cross, he did it for you. He didn't do it for himself. All right. Now, having said that, this is what Paul is praying. Now, listen to this. When he worked in Christ, in Christ, when he raised Jesus from the dead, and he set him, Jesus, at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name, not only in this age, that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to who? The The church. All right. How is it then that we have authority? Now, authority... Is, is delegated power. All right. A policeman does not have the strength to stop a semi. But when he steps in that road, everybody on the road understands who he is and who he represents so that even though the light is green, he puts his hand up and everybody stops because he's been given delegated power. Now, the church today has almost no knowledge of the fact that you have been given the delegated power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? So whatever happened to go into all the world and cast out devils? When's the last time you walked into church and someone cast a devil out of someone? They sent them all to the psychiatrist. You can't medicate a demon. They're just in there smoking dope with you. And hey, we're liking this mess. <laughs> and so the church today has really lost sight of the fact that we've got authority over all of the work of the enemy. How much? All of it. All of it. You're not supposed to be walking around here defeated. And you're not supposed to be asking God to deliver you because he thinks he already did. Now, isn't that a silly? I mean, when, you, when I say that, in like, you're like, well, that's, in, that's well, how come we didn't ever hear this before? Because you didn't come here. I'll let it. <laughs> All right. Um, we have right now, this may be hard for you to handle, a glorified man at the right hand of God, and he always will be. And I want you to hold your place here. Don't go out of Ephesians, but go to Genesis Chapter 41. I'm going to show you what happened to Jesus. 
This is exciting. Now, now for some of you people that are new, I, I'm, I feel for you because I'm, I'm feeding you with a fire hydrant. And I know I am. And I, and I, I, can't, I can't slow up. You're just going to have to go back and get some CDs. And I, and I apologize because some of this stuff may be like, he lost me back 30 minutes ago. I don't know what he's talking about. It's okay. No condemnation. Just stay up with us. Take all you can and um, come back and see us. Okay. Genesis 41, 37. Do you remember when Joseph, God said, God uh, raised up Joseph and he sent him over to Egypt. And then he got thrown into prison. That was a type of Jesus going into hell. Y'all know that. Okay, Jesus, Joseph is a type of Jesus. Jesus said, search the scriptures. In them, you think you have eternal life. They testify of me. So stories of Joseph are a precursor to the people of Israel and, and the world to know what Jesus' life was like. So we see that his brothers threw him in a pit, you know, thought he was dead, shipped him off to Egypt where he was accused of things he didn't do wrong, thrown into prison, and then he brought him out of prison and became the right-hand man to Pharaoh just like Jesus. All right, now let, let's read this so you can see what he says. Forty-one, fourteen, And Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved and changed his clothes and came to Pharaoh. This is what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. And the Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one that can interpret it. But I've heard and said that you can interpret dreams. So, so he, he, he interprets his dream, tells him what it means, and then down to verse 37. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, in the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, and whom is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, insomuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one more discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house. All of my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set over you all of the land of Egypt. All right, now what we're seeing here is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. So much so that when his brothers came to, to him, they didn't even recognize who he was. Now we're going to see the rest of Joseph's story played out when Jesus returns. And the Jews step before the Lord Jesus Christ and they're going to go, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus. And they're going to go, oh my God. Now over in Israel right now, um, the Israelis are taught to hate us. And when you love them, they don't know what to do with that. I got a friend over there right now, um, Edward Houston, and he'll be back in here one day and, um, you know, and we'll bring him back in here. And, and I'm going to Israel with him. I'm going to Israel in January and I'm going back with him. But he just got an invitation to meet um, the prime minister. Now he says, the question is asked him all the time, why do you do what you do? Why do you love us? And then he tells them about what Jesus did for him. And they, and they call Jesus the other man. They don't even mention his name. And many of them secretly will pull off the side and go, tell us about Jesus. And he's led many of them to the Lord. Many Jewish guys in the military. It's really cool. Amen. Because a lot of them, he, and one of them said one time, says, you know more about our Bible than we do. He says, I know your God better than you do too. Amen. So, 
So we see right here that it's, that it's delegated authority. I want, I'm going to go through a bunch of scriptures with you, and I want you to bear with me. Go to Matthew 7, 28. Now, I'm fixing to show you something. And some of you people that are new here, I need you to do me a favor. I mean, I'm being really serious. When you leave, um, tell me whether I, I explained it very well. I need to know because when new people come in, I don't know how much you know and don't know. Okay. In Matthew 7, 28. Now, now look at this. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And look at what they say about him. So it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority. Now, what is the, now this word authority is massive. So let me slow down here a minute. And I'm going to show you something. What is the one thing Satan fears above everything? It's authority. Because right now, even though he is defeated, he's ruling illegally because he's a liar. Once Christians find out that he is a defeated foe and that he is a liar, you know, you'll know the truth and truth will set you free. And once Christians start realizing that we are walking in the delegated authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, then he fears you. He's scared of you. You, you, just like a policeman can put your hand up and all hell has to stop for you. Now, now, when the Bible says resist the devil, he'll flee from you. But most people or Christians are afraid of the devil. They think he's this big, bad. No, he's not. He's been defeated. And, and once you use the name, the name is above every name. It's like a policeman. It doesn't matter if it's a little skinny 125-pound woman and you're a 400-pound thug. If she says in the name of the law, you better stop because she's, she's the government. And when you do that, Satan recognizes that you might be a little skinny thing, but he knows that behind you is the government. And he fears Jesus. He's not afraid of you, but he's afraid of you if you know who you are. He's afraid of you. Now, he's afraid of you learning this tonight. This is scaring him spitless. Matter of fact, he woke up today and went, oh, he's awake again, that, that preacher. I don't like that guy at all. My God, he keeps telling people to take authority over us and boss us around, and we hate it. Okay. Now, I'm going to show you something in your Bible you may have never, ever seen before. And um, uh, Matthew 5, 18, I'm going to show you this about Jesus. Now, I'm going to read a bunch of them. If you don't want to follow me, that's fine. It says, surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or title means will pass in the law. Now, notice he said what I say. And in verse 20, he said, I say that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees, you'll no way enter the kingdom of heaven. And verse 21, you've heard that it was said. Now, who said this? Who is he? Who is he referring to when he says, you heard it was said? Moses. He's about to say, now listen to this. I trump Moses. Most people read that and never catch that he is sitting on a mountain and saying, now you know you heard it was said. And everybody knows he's quoting the Ten Commandments. He's saying, you heard Moses say, but from this day forward, I say. Now he's either God or he's crazy. 
Now, do y'all remember the day he walked in his home church? And it says he opened up the book of Luke and read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. There's a seat in a Jewish synagogue that no one ever sits in it. Because it's Messiah's seat. And when he read it, he sat in it. That was when they took him out and tried to throw him over a cliff. So don't you think about what they just said. He is setting himself up and he's saying, I am the boss. I know some of y'all read the Sermon on the Mount. You never got into this. That's fine. Verse 21, you heard it was said, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause will be in danger of the judgment. All right, then, then he says in verse 26, well, 25, agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him and your adversary. Surely I say you'll by no means get out of there. Verse 27, you have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. He's quoting Moses again. But I say, if you even look at a woman, you've already committed adultery. He is, he is trumping himself as being the authority of the word of God. Amen. Now, you understand, that's why the Jews looked at him and said, we see the miracles, but we can't handle what you're saying. Now, it, they, it never dawned on them, this really might be the Messiah. Now, we're looking back 2,000 years and going, oh, we knew that. That's why it doesn't phase us much. But in his day, that was massive what he was doing here. All right. All right. So the word authority. Now go to Luke 10. Are y'all getting this? This is awesome. When you start studying authority, you're going to find out Satan fears that word. Because he had authority and he lost it. Okay. Now do you, oh boy, Father God, help me with this. You remember when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness and Satan came to him and says, if you'll bow to me, I will give you all of this. He was, now that was a, was that a real temptation? Yes, it was. Number one, Jesus wanted it. And number two, he had it to give. So he was offering it to him apart from the cross. But Jesus wanted the authority. And he went and got the authority. When he went into the region of the dam, he beat the devil and came out with and said when he rose from the dead, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Who gave it to him? Satan gave it to him because he had taken it from Adam and then Jesus went and got it back. So he wanted the authority. See, Satan had the authority to ship your saddle to hell anytime he wanted to. All right, let me, let me say this to y'all so y'all understand this. How many people went to heaven before Jesus rose from the dead? Nobody. Not David, not, no, nobody. God could not take any man. There is none righteous, no, not one. Just because of the lamb and the blood of a lamb is not going to cleanse the sins of your sins and make you a new creation. It was unable to. There was a prototype of the blood of the lamb of God that was to come and wash your sins away so that when Jesus did that and washed your sins away, he stripped Satan of his authority to rule over you. And now he took all of that authority back and the moment you you step out of Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of God. 
God. You have come out from under Satan's authority and stepped into the authority of the kingdom of God. You've changed gods. You've changed fathers. You've changed, you've gone from darkness to light. And now, now, and I'm going to show you in the Bible, you've got authority over all the work of the enemy. He gave it to you. All right, I'm going to say this. Don't get mad at me. You don't need Benny Hinn anymore. I'm not picking on Benny Hinn. I love Benny Hinn. Listen to me. So many Christians don't know you, you can go to see your own dad. You've got authority over the same devil that Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, Benny Hinn. He's an evangelist sent to the world. You're not a sinner. You're a son. You're not supposed to be standing in a welfare line if your father's name is Trump. Just imagine Donald Trump's son in a welfare line. And he comes down the road and goes, son, uh, what are you doing? Oh, dad, I was hungry. Get in the car. I mean, what? That is called stupid. What happened to the credit card I gave you? I mean, why, God, son. And I think God looks at us and goes, what are you doing? We're over here just waiting for a handout from Jesus. He gave you the whole by God kingdom. It's yours now. Not when you die, it's yours now. We're supposed to be showing the world how this thing works. Not down at the government welfare office. Okay. Don't get me going. We'll start preaching on money next. <laughs> money is nothing but a tool. It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't fix your problems. But it is nice when you have enough to pay the bills and help someone else. And God does not mind you having a little bit. And for all of you people who don't know this, Jesus was rich. First of all, he's Jewish. And how in the Sam Hill do you have a treasurer if you don't have any money? And my question is, but do you have a treasurer, Art? Do you have a treasurer? You're the treasurer. Do you have a treasurer? You have a treasurer? Takes care of all your money? Well, yeah, well, you know, okay. That's kind of what I thought. I'm not embarrassing you. I'm just telling you. If you have a treasurer, there's somebody who has some money somewhere. All right, never mind. That's not my subject. But the money is, is for the kingdom. It's for you to use for the things of God. All right, okay, okay. <laughs> Woo! Okay, Matthew, oh, Luke 10. We're in Luke 10. 10, 17. And the 70 returned with joy and said, man, the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. All right, now, 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 now. What you have to come to realize, and this is another subject, it'll take me all night to preach it, but I'm just gonna touch on it. There are times when you do go in and talk to God. 
But when it's the devil, you don't need to talk to God. There is nothing anywhere in the New Testament that says for you to talk to God about the devil bothering you. Do you understand me? He said, you cast him out. You resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He said, I've given you authority over all the work of the enemy. So you understand. Now, I'm going to say something else. This kind of messes people up. There is no place in anywhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, not one place, not even one where Jesus ever prayed for a person. I just messed up your religious Baptist, Episcopalian, Catholic head. Just blew your head right off your shoulder. What did he do? He took authority over it. Now that blew my mind when I first, when the Lord first said that to me, I, mean, I just had this idea, went around healing people. And he did not. He, he did minister the anointing to them. And the anointing breaks the yoke. But every time it says when he dealt with the madman of Gadara, he cast it. He just told the devil to leave. And he spoke to sickness. He spoke to disease. He spoke to storms. Now, you understand, people, people when, you know, they, 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 they hear people like me preach. And they say, and, that, and that's one of those name it, claim it, blab it, grab it preachers over there down at Word Life Church and just running around bossing God around and telling him what to do. Well, let me help you a little bit. We know the difference between God and the devil. So here it is. God is good. The devil's bad. <laughs> it's not real hard. It's just like, all right, so if it's a flu... Is it God or the devil? A or B? Well, if it's the devil, then tell the flu to go straight to Hades in the name of Jesus. Y'all getting this, you understand? He said, go into all the world and cast out devils. What he was trying to tell you, listen to me, the church is the enforcer of the covenant. A policeman does not have to call the governor every time he makes an arrest. He's been given authority when he sees you coming down the road doing 90 miles an hour. He's already been given the right to pull you over, take the bubbles and flip them on, and give you a share revenue coupon for the Christmas bonuses of the police department. And he doesn't have to call anybody to do it. Are y'all understanding this? Folks, this is almost so simple. But the church, Paul is praying, God, show them this. And that's why the church is defeated because the devil's going, well, you just can't run around telling me what to do. And this ain't me anyway. It's God. He's trying to learn you something, you dummy. And he figured out if he put enough hell on you, you'd learn something. Well, I have a question for you. Why is all the hell you've been going through, you still ignorant? <laughs> because God did not send the devil to teach you. He sent the Holy Spirit to teach you. Now, he's just like... I mean, folks, you don't send your kids to school and say, the bully is going to teach you today. No, when that, when that bully picks on your kid and comes home, you go, we're taking karate. Yeah. You're going to take that bully out the next time he messes with you. God hates the devil, but he has no authority over the devil. 
because the devil has a legal right to be here until the end of Adam's lease, and he's going to chuck that sucker into hell. That's the end of the devil. And you don't have to mess with him or ever see him again forever. Isn't this fun? But in the meantime, back at the ranch, we're still here on the earth, and there are still demonic influences around us, but we don't have to have them influence or run our lives, so he's given us authority over them. So simple it is to me, but I'm from Georgia. Y'all, I get excited. All right. Matthew, let's go to Matthew 21 and then we'll dive over to Matthew. Come on, is this good? Yeah, this is real good. Matthew. <laughs> and so all the visitors say, y'all do this every Wednesday night? Way kind of. I have people that are on the internet right now watching us and they're like, we like Wednesday better than Sunday. Because Sunday, I got the ain'ts in here. Wednesday, I got the saints. <laughs> we, can go, we can go deep. We can, we can go someplace on Wednesday nights. Amen. All right. It's the truth. It's the, y'all, you guys just like sucking it. All right. <laughs> 21, 23. Listen to what they said. Listen to what the Pharisees said. And when they came in the temple, the chief priest, he had just cleaned the temple. I took a wet and beat everybody out of the temple. <laughs> he came to the temple, chief priests and elders confronted him and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Now they recognize that Jesus has authority. They go, we see it. Now I want to show you something else real quick. Go to Matthew 8. Go back. We hadn't even got to the good stuff yet. We're just talking about Jesus' authority. I'm fixing to show you something in a minute like, oh, OMG. All right. Matthew 8, 5. Now, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion. Now, you, ascend, you know a centurion is a Gentile. He's not even Jewish. He came and he pled with him and says, Sir, my Lord, my servant's lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy. You should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. I am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. And when I say to this one, go, he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And to this servant, you do this, and he does it. What is he saying? All right, let's stop for a minute. What is authority? Authority is positions of, of their delegate authority that you have authority over people. So he's in the military, and he says, I've got guys under me, and if I look at one of them and say, uh, go in my office, get me some water, they get up and go get water. He says, I recognize that you are under authority. Or you couldn't do what you're doing. You have to have someone had to give you this authority or you wouldn't be able to do this. So I'm going to say to you, you don't have to come to my house. You just say the word. And I know that devil's got to leave. And Jesus called that. He says, my 
He says, I hadn't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Now, I'm going to say something to you as a church because a lot of people look at me right now going, we have authority over the devil. Well, I did that and it didn't work. Now, I'm going to kind of make a statement to you all right now. Are you under authority? Are you? Now, I'm not talking about are you saved. I said are you under authority? Because most Christians... They have a concept of come to Jesus and be saved, and then the sweet by and by will all go to heaven. There is a truth to that, but that's a very small part of what Jesus came to do. When I got married to Lisa, I gave her me and everything I own forever. You know what I got out of it? Her. I expected her to give me her. Now listen to me. God expects you to give yourself to him. It's a marriage covenant. Now he said, I'll take care of you. Now Lisa has the same authority in this church as I do. By reason of marriage. You have the same authority in the earth as long as you're doing what he told you to do. Now, that, that's where we separate Christians because they're going, well, I used a name and nothing happened. Well, you might want to go back and find out what he told you to do that you told him no. Now, let me make a statement to you so that this will, and I, I want to upset you. There is nothing in here optional. He didn't ask you what you thought of anything in this book. He told you what you think. Now, y'all weren't ready for that. Y'all were hollering a while ago. Y'all were like. <laughs> now, does that mean he's a taskmaster? Well, let me ask you this. Am I a taskmaster to Lisa? No. I love my wife. But I expect dinner. And I expect her to be home tomorrow. And if she's not, I expect her to tell me where she is. Some of y'all hadn't checked into God in years. I'm married, but I ain't seen him in 10 years. <laughs> now, you know why the church is powerless. Well, y'all went quiet on me there. There is authority. I'm going to tell you something else. You, may not, you won't like this at all. There's rank and file. There's people in the kingdom over you. And they actually really do have a right to say something to you. So if you work in this church and I tell you that you're late, you're late. Well, who do you think you are? Well, I think I'm your pastor and you better do what I say. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? You know what I'm, now, now see, well, that's legalism. No, no, no. Then, then being married's legalism. Then you're a legalist with your kids. You look at your kid. Where were you? And they look at you and go, none of your business. Now you tell, you, you, you just let them do that to you one time. You slap them upside the head. What do you mean, plap, plap, plap? What do you mean, don't talk to me like that? I wash your mouth out with ivory soap by God. Hallelujah. Get in here. Am I right? Am I right? And yet churches do it all the time. You know, there's a scripture that says that God set in the church 
You know, he set you in a church. He, he has a church for you. Amen. That means you really didn't get to choose it. I told this couple here a while ago, I'm from Georgia. And let me tell you something. I wouldn't have picked Florida for anything in the world. I don't like sand. I don't like palm trees. I don't like hurricanes. I don't like four seasons that are hot. (laughs) I mean, I want the leaves to change one day. I want to look out there and see a leaf changing. You know, when we have fall in the spring, all the leaves, knock all the old leaves off the tree. We had two days last year. It was cold. We put a fire in a log in a fire lane. Opened the front door so it'd freeze everything in the house. <laughs> and pretended like we had a winter. <laughs> well, why am I here? I'm on assignment. And I'm going to tell you what happens if I leave. He ain't taking care of me. He takes care of me in the place he told me. He told Elijah, go to the brook Cherith, not the Wakiva River. Is that too much? That might be too much for y'all. You might want to find out what he told you to do and do it. If things aren't working, go to him and say, "Uh, remember Paul, Lord, what do you want me to do? And find out what he wants you to do. He said, my yoke is easy. He's not not a terrorist. He knows what you're like. He's not going to make life hell for you. Okay. Are y'all okay with that? Most people are scared to death the will of God uh, going to send me to India. <laughs> Woo. Go to 1 Peter. No, let's go to James 4. How are we doing for time? We can go to 1 Peter. We got plenty of time. 1 Peter. Now, I'm going to show you this about authority. Do you have authority over the enemy? Yeah. Only, only when you're under authority. Whoa. That means if you're sitting around worrying and he told you to quit. Well, let's go down this road now. Are y'all ready? The head of the church said, fret not. The head of the church told you not to take thought. Told you to quit worrying like a Gentile. Right? Then why don't you do it? Say, so I'm just waiting on the Lord. Well, he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to quit worrying about it all day long and act like the Bible's true. You don't realize that something as simple as worrying will stop God from moving because you're not doing what he told you to do. Now, listen, our kids, our kids, they come in and go, Mom and Dad, I'm really worried. Well, you look at them and say, Honey, don't worry about it. Daddy's got it. I mean, I mean it. When I tell them I got it, I got this. Don't worry about it. You don't worry about the bills and worry about the money. I got this. I'm laying in the bed and I didn't sleep a bit last night. I didn't know if you were going to do it. I, I will spank you. <laughs> when God tells you he has it, he has it. Yes. Nobody wants your Christianity if you walk around looking like you've been sucking lemons. This <laughs> sad all the time. You don't know what I'm going through. That, what that means, there is no God. And he doesn't answer prayers and he doesn't care about you. And that's a simple thing, isn't it? Yeah, y'all, you were doing good, Pastor T. You got on that. <laughs> no, I'm doing good right now. First Peter chapter five, verse five. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. 
are you serious? All of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Sometimes it ain't the devil, right? Art and Crystal, I love that with Dwayne the other day. God resists who? You know what pride is? I'll do it my way. God, I know what you said, but. I'll tell you what you said, but. I just don't understand how you're going to do that, God, but. And you're going to do it your way, and it don't work. And you're going, that preacher told us the other day, we got authority over all the work of the enemy, and I took authority of the devil and leave. That's because it wasn't the devil, it was God. Have y'all ever disobeyed God? I have. It is not fun. Oh, I have disobeyed. I have done things that he got on to me. If he never gets on to you, you don't know him very good. I used to ask him, why do you pick on me all the time? Pick on Betty Mae. Go pick on somebody else. He said, well, Betty Mae don't do half the stupid stuff you do. I'm just picking on Betty now. <laughs> God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your cares on him. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary. Who? The pastor of the church. Oh, my God, no. Your adversary, your husband. I know I'm going to get a response right now. I, I think he is the devil, Pastor. He is the devil. No, he's not. I'll tell you right now, if you start treating him like he was saved, he might get that way. Woo, you were doing good. All right. Because you do have an adversary. There, listen, if you don't know there's a devil, turn on 269 or 11 on TV. And watch the election coverage, if you don't know there's a devil, then you haven't been watching television. How many of you watch it and go, you're stupid. Who's the lady who thinks she's Indian? That's absolutely crazy. One 250,000th Cherokee. People are crazy. They're crazy. We don't, even need, we don't even need to watch drama anymore. We can just watch the, the election of a judge and just sit back and go, <laughs> that's crazy. All right. There is a devil, guys. Listen to me. There is a devil. Now, I, in this church, a lady came to me one day. She says, I've been in church all my life. I never ever heard a sermon on the devil in my life till I came to your church. I said, that's because the devil was in the pulpit of the last church you were in. If your pastor never preaches on the devil, he might be listening to him. You might be getting his sermon notes from him. Ouch. The first thing Jesus said, go into all the world and these signs of all those who believe in my name, they'll cast out devils. And everywhere he went, he cast out devils. They're, listen, they're devils Everywhere. They're all over the place. Every drop of it. All confusion. All depression. Why why you sit around depressed all day? Why don't you go, 
Shut up, Satan, I plead the blood. You lying thing, leave. Now, now listen, you got to tell your neighbors if you're going to yell like that. I'm going to tell you all a story right now. It's crazy, but I got to tell you this. Now, I love black people, but they are more in tune to devils than white people are. They know more about the spirit realm than white people. Is that true? They really do. They, they, so I'm working at a warehouse, and I'm loading a, a truck. It's like 3 or 4 in the morning. It's foggy. And I'm back there loading a boxcar alone. And the devil was giving me fits. And so I'm back there talking to him. And I ain't being, I ain't being quiet. So I, I'm in this truck and I'm going, Satan, I said in Jesus' name, you get out of this truck. You get out of my, and I'm just, I come out and there's a black guy on a forklift. His eyeballs are that big around. He is, he said, Morgan, if you got the devil in that truck, I am leaving. I don't want to be back here with you. <laughs> I didn't see him the rest of the night. He didn't bring me nothing else. He said, the devil and Morgan ain't in the truck back there, and I ain't going back down there with no devil. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> if... If you don't talk to devils, they're not leaving you. Do you understand that? Jesus, Jesus spoke, Jesus quoted the Bible to the devil. You've got to read this Bible to the devil. And when he comes to you, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. Do you understand that? If you've got kids that are not doing right, you need to read the Bible to the devil. Not your kids, but the devil. Wouldn't mind reading them to the kids too. But listen, if you've got this mess going on in your home, you might start using some of this authority that you've been given. All right. <laughs> All right, go back to Ephesians because we've got to close. Does this help you all a little tiny bit? Oh, man. All right. <laughs> Ephesians. Now, now I'm going to read this to you like I did last week, but, but I want you to get it. Now, in Ephesians 2, 1, God did not put chapters and verses in your Bible. There is no, in the Greek, there is no chapter 1. That Paul didn't write chapter 2. And if he did, he would not have started a chapter in the middle of a paragraph and the middle of a sentence. That's kind of not smart. So what happens in chapter 2, now let's read it. And you he made alive who are dead in trespasses and sins. Now let me read one more before we get into this. I want you to look down at verse 6. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. So where are you seated? Seated. 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 You and I have the same authority and the same seat that Jesus took. Yes. And that's a position of authority over all the work of the enemy. I don't want you to see that. Now, this is what Paul is writing when he's writing this letter. Now, listen to this. And you he made alive. Now, it, the word he made alive is italicized because it's not in the original Greek. So where is the verb that controls and you? It's in the previous sentence. And that's why it doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to read it to you the way Paul minute to read. Now listen to this. Verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? 
according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him and you from the dead and set him and you at the right hand in heavenly places, far above principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come, and put all things under his feet and you, and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over the church and you, his body that fills all in all and you. Do you see that? And you. He's the, the and you, is, he's, he's saying everything he said He was tying what Jesus did. He did it in Jesus and he did it in you at the same time. So the church, he's asking God to show the Christians what he gave them when Jesus died and rose from the dead and sat down. When he sat down, you sat down with him. Now, now, the fact that we're seated does not mean we're inactive. There are positions. In the government right now, there are people that are good and bad trying to take seats in the government because seats are positions of authority. Satan is looking for your seat. He wants your seat. And he will take it unless you know it's yours and you've been voted into that seat and you say, this is my seat and you're not getting me out of this seat. This is my seat and I have authority over all of the work of the enemy. Therefore, I say. Now, that, that makes all the sense in the world. So Paul is writing and saying, I'm praying that God would show y'all this. Now, go back in Paul's life. Was he shipwrecked? Did they kill him? No. What did he do? He prayed. Did he come out of it? Yeah. Snake bit. Did he die? No. Stoned to death. What happened? God went back in town and preached again. Now, now we read that and go, well, you know, that's because he was an apostle. No, it wasn't. It's because he knew who he was. What you don't know is killing you. Knowledge is power. This prayer, now, now I, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Start praying these prayers over yourself. God, I want this. This, if you gave this to me, see, God can't answer a prayer you don't ask. Amen. Now, that'll blow your mind. Well, he can do anything. Well, if he could, he'd make you pay tithes. <laughs> <laughs> and since he hadn't done good in that area, he probably ain't doing it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> do y'all see this? He's not asking God to give you anything. He's asking God to show you what's already yours. We'll get in next week in the prayers in in chapter 3 where he goes into some more things. The men who have changed the world, John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, Billy Graham, E.W. Kenyon, Kenneth Hagin, you, you show me a man that changed the world, I will show you a man that knew this. And the minute he got it, no, we're out of time. Teal Osborne was a teenage boy, went to India and came home defeated. As a missionary, he couldn't prove 
that Jesus was Lord to the Indian people. India, Indian. And he went and took a church up in Washington State and he started praying. God had a man in Australia took a book by E.W. Kenyon and came across the ocean up the western coast from San Francisco all the way to Seattle, Washington and said, I want you to take this book to a man. He's praying, asking me for wisdom. And he got off in Portland, I think it was Portland or Seattle, somewhere, and he walked and he met T.L. and he was in a flower garden and handed him a book by, by E.W. Kenyon on this subject. He left that church and went to Cuba and had a revival of 50,000 people and thousands of people got born again. What happened? Knowledge. He finally found out who he was and when he would stand on the platform, he understood that he could take authority over disease just like Jesus could. That's crazy. He just died a few years ago He's been preaching to 50 to 100, 200,000 people since 1950. Just trained Kevin and Leslie, and he went home to be with the Lord. There's, there's, there is literally millions of people, millions, going to heaven because of one man. And one book and one revelation. Now, he told that story on TBN of how he got a hold of that book. Well, that book's out there. I got the same book out there in the bookstore. Say, this is good. This is good. Now, I'm out of time, but this is the prayer that the lady in Tulsa prayed over me, and God started opening the Bible to me. And all of this stuff I know right now, I learned it in Revelation Knowledge by the Holy Ghost. I mean, I was a joy. I mean, I knew one scripture when I got saved, John 3, 16. That's all I knew. I was a good old Baptist boy that went Christmas and Easter. That was all I ever went to church. Wasn't saved. I was a hippie. I knew nothing of God. And this lady prayed these prayers over me. And I'm going to tell you something. How do you say this humbly? I'm one of the smartest people I've ever met. That's the honest God truth. You know, they gave me an honorary doctorate in school because I was teaching doctors. I had to take my classes to get a doctorate. I wasn't a doctor, but I was teaching doctors. And they said, we well, should just give you one. I said, you should. And I hung it up in there. Now, I'm not saying I'm better. I said, God showed me this. He'll show anybody this. Is this cool? Amen. Father, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this evening. I have, I have done everything in my, that I know of to explain this truth. I'm sure I said things and left things out, but I know that you, the Holy Spirit, will take what, what I'm sharing and make it real to our hearts that you desire for us to understand everything Jesus did for us. And that's for us, this side of heaven. I pray, Father God, that everybody in the sound of my voice would begin praying these prayers and get a hold of what you did and become literally super men and women of God as, we be, as you begin to show us everything you did for us and what is ours. And we give you thanks for that, sir. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Well... God bless all of you. I'll see you back here Sunday morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. 
thank you and have a blessed day.